Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 33. It's kind of hard to believe that we're already on our 33 episode, but we are. My name is Josh King. As always, we are here with uh, Sam Rayner, Mike Freeze. How are you guys this morning? It wouldn't be an episode if I don't get to poke fun at something that Josh said. I'm very (laughs) excited that we're already on our 33 episode. Did I say 33? (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm the worst talker in the world. Um... I'm just not good at this game. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. This is why we love you, Josh. Yeah, it's amazing that I preach every week. Like, hey, you know what, like, you know what he do, sounds like, Sam? Understand you. He sounds like What's he went that? to school at University of Texas. That's what he sounds like. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> He's a, he, Josh is Criswell grad. I'm he is a Criswell, a Criswell grad. I love Criswell. I love that yeah. college. Yeah, Criswell's amazing. Um, hey, speaking of W.A. Criswell, I used a George Truitt illustration in a sermon a week ago. He's amazing nice. as well. George, how, I can't imagine this. George Truett and W. Criswell, back-to-back pastors of an EST church, 100 years, two pastors. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's incredible. Dude, I, mean, I wrote my dissertation on it. They're That's both, right. You did. That's right. Exactly incredible. right. Dr. Sam Rayner. Hey, by the way, have we done the whole props to Sam for being Dr. Sam Rayner? We, we done haven't. That? We haven't. Holy we should cow. be totally marketing that. We could totally or, or, get more <laughs> listeners if they knew we had a doctor on here. Yeah, exactly right. Dr. Rayner. Dr. Uh, Rayner. The, the third Dr. Rayner in the... Well, no, wait a minute. You have a sister-in-law, Dr. Rayner. I'm the fourth, yeah. The fourth Dr. Rayner. That's right. You well, so congratulations. I had a, I had a deacon Dr. announce... Ray. I had a deacon announce to the church last week that I finished, you know, and and um, he told, he, he went through this whole spiel, and he, he's, he's, he's a prankster, and it was a really good joke, but he finished with... Um, um, I think he said something like, "You can examine me after after the service." Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh moments you wish you could have back. Yeah. Was oh no, that, that's how we roll here at West Brainton, man. We're all about the jokes. We're all about video? the jokes. What's that? Is it we on video? Find this. We should find this. No, no, it's not video. on video. It's not on video. It's not audio recorded or video recorded. No, no, it was during the. It was during. We don't call them announcements. We call them ministry opportunities. But uh, yes, yeah, it was that. during that time of the service. Very cool well, of you, Sam. Well, definitely, congratulations. We're very excited for you. Proud of you. Thank you. Hey, uh, Sam. Are you, maybe this is inappropriate. Maybe I shouldn't even ask this. But is your dissertation going to become? Or is it going to be published as a book? Uh, you know, no, it's not, of all the inappropriate things you could say, that's that's, that's far from inappropriate. Well, in, I didn't. In my wanna, I didn't. Wanna, <laughs> You know, burst your bubble or, or, or you, know, you know, I didn't know. So anyway, but that seems I like a topic I'd love to read about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like legacy church leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. No, no, um, no, no, no. Get the SBC part. Just legacy church leadership and use those as an example. Pull in two or three other other denominations. And, and man, you've got a killer book. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. The thing is, man, I've been working on this for like three years. I'm, I'm done. I'm cooked. I, mm-hmm. I want to. I'm tired of it. But wife would be very excited to hear that you're going to go into the study and write a book for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, I'm always doing something, but uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've thought about it, and at some point I may do that. It, it needs to be fresh, so if I do it, it probably needs to be in the next year or two. Um, yeah. But I'm telling you, man, I think maybe I know. maybe our listeners can give me that feedback. Is 
you know, because I don't want to spend all this time and write a book that no one buys. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so if, if if you guys are interested out there, let me know. I write hey. all sorts of things that nobody buys or pays attention to, but I write it anyway. <laughs> Speaking of feedback, don't want to get negative feedback from our sponsors. We're already four minutes in, haven't yet mentioned that EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Duran as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. We're very thankful for them sponsoring the show. And today's topic is one that I'm I'm sort of right in the middle of this week. I am preaching through Hebrews. My text this week is Hebrews chapter 6. Well, I'm actually going to start back in chapter 5, but... The main part of it, or one of the hardest parts of it, is chapter 6, verse 4. It says, For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, etc., etc. They've tasted and, um, you know, indwelled with the Holy Spirit, that sort of stuff. And now they have fallen away, and who have fallen away. It's a hard text to preach, particularly as a Baptist. And so this week I was thinking... You know, what do you do if you get maybe to Thursday and you have the thought run across your mind? I don't want to preach this. Like, I don't I don't think I can do this. Or maybe you've scheduled out your text or you've got a topic or there's some reasoning. For me, there's a uh, theological – well, there's a, there's a conviction that you preach the next text. You just do it. You, even if you don't want to do it, you do it. But there are many, many times I don't want to preach this. And sometimes it's – I don't know how to preach it well. I feel uh, ignorant to the topic, or I know that this topic might be controversial, or somebody in my congregation is dealing with this, and when I scheduled to preach this text, I didn't know that at the time, and now I know it's going to feel like maybe I'm talking directly to them. Do you guys have any insight on what to do if you have a tough text or a tough topic to cover? What about you, Micah? Yeah, I think this is a really important um, I think it's a really important topic for our, our podcast, for our episode. I would say this. If you never preach a tough text or a tough topic, you're not doing a good job as a pastor, mm, right? Yeah. I mean, this is – our job by nature is to help people become more like Jesus, right? We're, we're supposed to preach the word and shepherd them to become more like Christ. And uh, that's going to require you saying things at times that offend people. Now, I think, first of all – first principle to me of preaching tough topics is say things that offend people without being offensive. Mm -hmm. And what, what bothers me is how often I see pastors who get all geeked out and up in arms about saying offensive things and they seem to enjoy being the offender. Right. I think that's I think that's deeply disturbing and reveals something in your psychosis that both reflects your sin and your depravity and will do damage to your people. And you can say the right thing the wrong way and nobody's lives will be changed or affected in a Christ-like manner. So say things that may offend, but don't be an offender. Uh, you know, don't, don't intentionally be an offender. Um, I would say another thing is feel the weight of your text or your content. Um, so remember, and I've, I've, I think I've beat this, you know, into the ground before, but we're not just sharing logical conclusions about Bible and theology in our sermon, but we're trying to move the heart. Tim Keller, who I have this massive affection for and love as a pastor and preacher, 
He said this, and um, it, it struck me. It struck me in the last week. He said, "Sermons aren't just to make truth clear to the mind, but to make it real to the heart. Change happens by feeding the imagination new beauties." I love. Of course, his poetry is just phenomenal. Just the way he brings words and concepts together. But when you feel the weight of what you are preaching, and you preach from a deeply emotive level. It helps connect with your congregation. I remember my dad, who was a pastor, um, has been preaching for a lot, and I've been preaching for 20 years. He's been preaching for 15 years longer than I have. Uh, I remember him preaching a sermon on divorce at one point, which is obviously a tough topic. No matter where you come down on the issue, it's going to be emotional for many people in your congregation because many people in your congregation have walked through that, and it's always painful. And he was talking to a friend of ours who was a divorced woman and, and asked her, he said, here's what I want to preach. How do I preach this in a way that I'm faithful, that it's true, but that I'm compassionate and, you know, that, and she said, she said, Paul, my dad's name is Paul. She said, Paul, preach the text, but do it with tears in your eyes. And I think too often when we get ramped up for hard topics, we do it with steel in our voice more than we do it with tears in our eyes. And uh, we've got to feel the weight of what we are saying to our people. So don't be stupid and offensive. Feel the weight of what you're saying. I would say those are two of the first things I would start with. Mm -hmm. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I, I think we're done with the podcast. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's the most affectionate words I've ever heard Micah say. And it was about Tim Keller. I, 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 I almost started, I almost started has, blushing, but I don't he has blush. Massive affection for, <laughs> I mean, I really affectionate I, towards Tim Keller. I, I will. Which by will, the way is a Presbyterian. That's going to get sentiment. you in trouble. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, he is Yoda. I'm, Yoda. I'm all about my <laughs> Presbyterian brother in Christ. Yes. Tim Keller. Hey, I, I got to tell you guys, way. hang on. I got to tell you this true I talked the same moment. way about Mark Dever. So, so <laughs> Let don't me tell even you this, me on it. This true moment. So when I was working for Ed Stetzer at Lifeway Research, I, um, we, uh, Tim Keller was going to speak to a conference that Ed and I were hosting. He couldn't come in person, so he was going to speak to us live via Skype. And I was supposed to test out the connection the day before who, with who I assumed was Tim's assistant. And so I bring up Skype. I dial Tim's number. He, you know, it answers and all of a sudden I'm on Skype live with Tim Keller and I'm trying not to freak out in front of him. And I reach down below the camera and I quickly screenshot the screen. So I've got a picture <laughs> saved of me and Tim Keller Skyping together, praying that he wouldn't hear the sound of the screenshot happening as I took the picture. <laughs> so I just totally admitted my, you know, 12 year old girl, Justin Bieber moment. But yeah. nonetheless, I was um, thinking yeah. more along the the lines of a Taylor Swift, jo Jonathan Howe moment is the that's, way that sounded to me. Uh, that's. A, an absurd and strange sort of psychotic experience. I, I don't even want to go there. Uh, it, it's yeah, a little jo Jonathan Howe, the the co-host of Rainer on Leadership with my dad. Um, Another fantastic he has, podcast. He, he does have disturbing massive affection for for Taylor Swift. But so Mike is Tim Keller, and I'm Mark Dever. Sam, where are you at on this? Like, you want to kind of reveal this? Uh, it's verdict, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's his guns. I, it's his guns. I can't. I, 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 I gotta. I gotta admit it. No, you know what? If I had to pick, I, you both are red right now, and it's our listeners so can't see you. But you both are. Because I feel so. like I shouldn't have said the verdict thing, but I did. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not editing that out. By no. the way, for our listeners, 
It's all one take. There's no editing here. There's no. We never edit. Mm-hmm. We, we don't do any pay for anyone to edit this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no editing. Um, I don't know how to. You edit. know, Kel, it'd be. It, I don't have massive affection for Tim Keller in the way that Micah does, <laughs> but I'd say he's the most influential on me. Um, and then, and you know what, I got, you know, I got some. If you, were, you know, we've, I think we've kind of already talked about this, but I, I, you know, the guys that kind of brought me up when I was, you know, my late yeah. teens, early twenties, yeah. you know, those. The Paul Chitwoods of the world, and no one knows who he is, but mm-hmm. um, some may. But um, that's who's really influential on me. But yeah, mm-hmm. Tim. If I'm t- if you're talking like national figures, I'd say I'd say Tim Keller. All right, so let's yeah. hold this thing back. T- Sam, what do you do with tough so topics, to Sam's tough point. text? <laughs> you know, um, the, really, I, I'm not going to be be able to be nearly as eloquent as Micah. So I'm glad he went first because mm-hmm. uh, that was that was great. Uh, I would just say don't don't skip it. Um, mm. y- you know, um, I'm with you, Josh. I mean, I. If, if you're a exegetical preacher walking through a book of the Bible, that's great. I do that myself. Um, don't give it lip service. You know, if it's a if you're in a book of the Bible and there's those two or three problematic texts, the debated texts, don't just don't just give it lip service and say, well, you know, I covered it technically. No, dig in. Your people mm-hmm. people want to know. Um, so I would I would say focus on on the problematic text when you get there and address mm-hmm. it. Um, and if you're more topical, um, you know, and you're you're doing a series on relationships, for instance, don't skip over divorce. Don't skip over singleness. You know, go to those topics that um, that are more problematic, that are more difficult to preach. Um, and I'm, I, I preach topically as well, and I've done a series on relationships, and I addressed divorce and singleness and you know homosexuality and and, and mm-hmm. all of those things that everyone wants to know anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I often tell my people, um, you know, I, I tell them, I try to, to do it in love. And, and I also say things like, here's, you know, with the primary doctrines, here's the primary doctrine with the secondary and tertiary doctrines, here's the secondary and tertiary doctrines. And I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, I don't expect all of you to agree with everything that I say from the pulpit. Um, but I am going to address what I believe to be as the most biblical, you know, uh, interpretation of, yeah. of this past but if it's if it's a tertiary doctrine i kind of leave some room there for for disagreement as well yeah. uh micah you're, you're itching to say something well i mean yeah I, I was just saying to me part of this is good pastoral skill skill we've got to be self-aware and we've got to be aware of the room where we're preaching and mm-hmm. this is part of being a good preacher I see some preachers, and particularly younger preachers, who seem sort of oblivious to their context and environment. They just say, "Well, doggone it, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to go, I'm going to go preach it." This was driven home to me. You know, I've, I've been at Brainerd now for 11 months. When we record this, uh, a little over 11 months now, as we're recording this episode, and about a month or two after I got here, one of our most significant, important staff members, our administrative pastor, very young, 45 years old, had a massive heart attack and passed away. And it happened on a Sunday afternoon. We, we grieved. We had his funeral that week. And I thought, I've got to do something for my people. I can't preach my normal sermon this Sunday. I can't. you know. And so we canceled the normal sermon, and I preached a particular message um, to our people. But I grieved all the way through the sermon. And this is one of the reasons why I'm personally, and you know, it's, I don't think it's sin or anything like that. I'm just personally not a big fan of video preaching. Because it was important in that moment that I, as I was preaching what was a bit of a tough text, but worse was, was a bit of a tough moment and mm-hmm. a bit of a tough topic. 
it was important in that moment that I feel the weight of the room and that I understand what was happening in the hearts of the people who were gathered there that day. So I, I think we've got to be good exegetes, not of script, not just of Scripture, but of the people we serve and the context we find ourselves in. Mm. I've got a couple of thoughts here. First of all, let me just encourage people to admit it. Like, so this is so powerful when you stand up. I, I think it's it's kind of almost comical how much we try to take um, homiletic leaps or or just do acrobats up there without just saying, "Look, this is really tough for me to say because I think some of you may disagree with me, and I love you." But this is what I believe the Bible is teaching. And so I just want to kind of outline this message. Another thing that is so clear, and I think it's, I'm not disagreeing with what you say there, Micah, but in my perspective or my experience, it's older pastors that tend to be so dogmatic about standing up there and yelling against um, this or that. And I don't care. And that's this is the way it's going to be. And there's not that what I would call this relational element. Preaching is not done in a vacuum. And if you're not no, walking with right. the people, if you're not loving the people, and then you stand up and say mean things, then then or hard things, it's not mean. If you're preaching the truth, that's not mean. It's just hard. Then um, that's going to be really. But if you're walking with the people, if you're loving them, if you're walking through their life, if you're helping them, then they know he's not trying to be mean to me. He's just teaching what the next thing in the text says. And that brings me to another idea is this relational pastoring. We sometimes think that we view ourselves just as the prophet, just as the person that stands up and just expounds, thus saith the word of God. And there's this shepherding element that should be there. You should be heartbroken that you're, it's not, you shouldn't be mad that they disagree with you about, let's say, divorce. You should be heartbroken that they are they're victims of sin and they're victims of choice and they and they go through these very hard things that the bible has already warned us about and that's an entirely different perspective on the text and then i would also say just don't fear it i do think that this is one of the best arguments i and like you said with the video preaching i don't think it's a sin to preach topically but i think this is one of the best arguments for exegetical or expository preaching because if you have that commitment, say, I'm going to preach through Hebrews, that means when I get to a text I don't want to preach, I'm just going to keep preaching through it. If you only preach exclusively topical, there is sometimes a tendency to get the topics that are easier for you to preach or, or pick the topics that are, are more comfortable for you. Let me, let me push back just a little bit on one thing you said, and I, I don't think we're disagreeing here, Josh, at all. I just want to Probably nuance not. one thing you said. Mm-hmm. You said don't fear preaching tough texts. I want to encourage our, le- our, our listeners to fear mm. preaching tough text. The, it's not the fear that concerns me. It's allowing the fear to determine their behavior that concerns me. I actually think it's really good to fear the hard text, but to preach them anyway, because that helps us understand the brevity, the seriousness, the, 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 the weightiness of the text, the weightiness of the impact on the people. But courage, real courage is not the, you know, you've heard this before, real courage is not the absence of fear. It's acting in the midst of fear. Mm-hmm. That's what good, I think good preaching of tough topics and tough text is. It's not the absence of fear. I fear <laughs> younger and old pastors who don't have fear about hard text. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want people to fear those texts, but to have courage to, to compassionately and firmly preach those texts anyway. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, another idea on this is to be fair. To be fair with the text, you know, and if you're doing good exegesis and you're being fair with the text, if the text is, 
Here, here's one. We're just going to get on pet peeves here. But if the text is talking about a particular sin, a lot of times, particularly in the New Testament, it's not that particular sin that uh, the the author is is raging against. Instead, he's saying, for instance, it's not so much this thing. He's saying, don't lose control. Like, allow the Holy Spirit to control you instead of this substance or this thing. And so, if you're talking about alcohol, Josh, yeah, I am. And so, (laughs) if you only want to read it, Josh, just say it. (laughs) If you only want to stand up there and rant against alcohol because alcohol is so bad, but you refuse to rant against people who just can't put the Oreo bag down or can't stop the Netflix binging, then you have missed the intent of that text. And all you're doing is raging against people's favorite little kind of topics there and you're really kind of a disservice to your your people so i would say i i, I completely agree with you you should fear the text um those particular those, those tough ones because of the weight of it and there's so much that it's a tough job and so you ought to fear that thing what do you think sam you got any topics on this yeah, I just preach kittens and cotton candy. Um, that, that's that's <laughs> awesome on the possum. beach. All right, let's possum, go possum. to the beach. Possum, let's possum. go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I go to the beach. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm in I'm in complete agreement with both of you. Uh, as surprising as that is, um, it's not so surprising. I, We're smart. <laughs> <laughs> I and and a part of me enjoys the tough text because there's a challenge to it. But I'm with you, Micah. Um, there is also a fear level there because. You know, I I don't think I'm going to get the gospel wrong. You know that that's pretty clear. But I do have a, a level of fear that you know because I go back and I listen to some of my old sermons every now and then, and uh, oh man, oh man, I, I'm like I jacked up that text. Who I let just, me in the pulpit a second time? I, I know, <laughs> that's what I, I know, think and all the time. And I go back and I look at some of my old notes from when I started preaching because I'm like, oh, I preached this text before. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm looking at myself going, man, I'm a, well, I was a borderline heretic. I mean, I, I, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And so I, I think that there, there, is, there is a healthy level of fear that you need to have because uh, I've changed my views on things. I've gotten better about things. I hope I have over the last 12 years of ministry. But um, All right. Geez, I, I take I it back. That, You're supposed to fear the I have text. that fear like I'm going to get in front of these people, and it is my job to you mm-hmm. know, correctly divide the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know I I, I got to be on my A game every week. That, that's how I look at it. But yeah, so when you get to a tough text, it's like I'm preaching Ezekiel this week, and uh, that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be a lot of fun. I've um, gotten a, I've gotten a text before, and I, I get done with the sermon prep and everything, and I start getting worried because you know what? I don't live this out real well, and I have this same fear, and I have this same fear, and I'm about to stand up, and I start to get real insecure about like, man, I hope they don't see my sin as I point out the sin that this text is pointing at. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, I should not be the one to preach this. So, um, yeah. what's your, what's your toughest text you've ever preached or topic you've ever covered? You want to, you want to relive it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, gosh, there's a number of topics or your, texts. Your, I mean, your wife does. She, she'll see it. She'll, yeah, she'll know. I mean, I would say obviously, you know, issues with regard to sexuality are difficult. Uh, I think, Truthfully, I think preaching on marriage and divorce is just about the single most difficult thing we can preach on, only because it's the thing that we have to preach on that so many people in our congregations are either victims of, products of, or have painfully walked through. Mm -hmm. And you know, 
you know, there are things you can preach on in your church that, you know, that's a big problem out there, but it's not as much of a problem in here or that affects a lot of people out there. It's less of an effect here. But, you know, that's a topic that you preach and you do with a lot of sensitivity, knowing that you've got a lot of folks who are going to walk through that in difficult ways. Mm. Uh, and it's going to be painful. It'll, it'll, it'll just going to dredge up memories, hard memories. What about you, Sam? Greed. Mm. Because it's my sin. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what makes it tough. And I, every time I preach on greed, I tell people that. Like, you know, I, I don't, I, I, you know I, anyone is capable of any sin at any time. I believe that because of mm-hmm. our depravity. I agree. Um, so, you know, I, I have to be careful about saying I don't struggle with certain things because mm-hmm. at any moment I could. Yeah. Um, but if I have to pick one thing that I struggle with regularly, it is, it is greed. And what drives my greed is um, a desire for safety. I don't need stuff. In fact, if you know me well, you're like, I, I'll, I will gladly give you things. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want clutter, clutter in my life. I'm glad to declutter everything in my life, um, except my books. Don't take my books or my baseball cards. And you can, <laughs> you can feel that greed this even if you say that. This list out. is growing, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I, I use money, I use things for safety. Mm. Not not because I want stuff, but because I want to feel safe. So if I got a million dollars in my bank account, I'm not going to go spend it because I want things. I'm just going to keep it there because I feel safe. Mm. Um, and so that's my sin. And when I preach it, I just have to tell people. I'm like, I get this all wrong in my personal life. And so for me, yeah, every time I preach greed, it's like, it's like I I, I almost want to resign as a pastor mm. because it's like I, I I get this completely wrong in my life, and it's a daily struggle for me. Mm. So I'll just tell them, you know, I'm just up front, I, you know, but that's the kind of church I pastor. Um, people are okay with that. You know, yeah. not every, not every congregation, you know, if you're a brand new pastor and you, it's your first week, I don't know that sharing all of your darkest sins is the best <laughs> idea, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, great. I, I do think, I think a typical practice of self-awareness and acknowledgement that this is tough for me is a, is a healthy practice for pastors. For me, it's nearly, I mean, I try to make it nearly a weekly thing. Yeah. But let me say one other thing about preaching tough texts, Josh. Um, we are by nature, you know, we've said preaching about divorce or greed or gluttony or whatever the case might be, things that people in our churches struggle with. We're very sensitive about that because we know that people sitting there are um, struggling with some of those things. But let me talk about text where, when we preach of, it, about issues that may not be as prevalent in our church. I've, I've watched as pastors have a tendency to rant and rave and, and sort of just slam the pulpit up and down about those topics. And there seems to be a lack of sensitivity. Well, the Bible says it, bless God, we believe it, and all the rest of you are, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know that sort of thing. First of all, a couple principles for me. First of all, carry as much sensitivity toward those topics as you do toward the topics when the people staring at you are looking at you. Mm. And second of all, don't say anything about the person you disagree with that they wouldn't agree with as well. In this, in this sense, don't claim things about what they believe that they, generally speaking, that they wouldn't be able to affirm. Mm-hmm. What we often do when we preach about people who would be different than us or disagree with us is we paint them in the most you know, in the worst possible light. And we use that to set up our argument. Mm -hmm. It's called a straw man. Yeah, it's exactly what what it's called. It's a straw man argument. But pastors are the worst or the best, depending on how you want to determine it, at using straw man arguments. And we can get a lot of amens by doing so. And 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 to do so is both cheap and offensive, I think, to God, the gospel. And here's the thing, two things about it. Number one, the people sitting in the chairs in front of you are not the only ones listening. Because mm-hmm. of audio, video, podcast, and all that other stuff, there are yep. a lot of people listening. And number two, 
you are training your people poorly to engage the culture around them when you do those sorts of things. That's the problem right there. Micah, you bring up a a great point. Let let, let me share this story. So we don't, we don't quite live stream our services yet. We're going to get there hopefully soon. But, um, you know, I had on, on Easter Sunday, I had someone show up and they put their big giant iPad on, on the front row and held it up off to the side and had it turned in a way to where I could see myself <laughs> in the iPad and um, and they were live streaming on Facebook my sermon. So you just have to assume that you're always being listened to by the world. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, is a right. good assumption, and that's a healthy thing. I was glad for my sermon to be broadcast in that way, but mm. it was really weird watching myself preach. Um, in, in that oh, case. listen, we have we have. First of all, we we do live stream and we do Facebook Live every message at our church, but we also use iMag image magnification. You know, we live video in all of our services, so we've got big screens on either side of me. Videos, you know, but we also have a screen on the back wall. There's a a ten foot tall screen of me, live video of me while I'm preaching the whole time, staring back at me. Hmm. It, I've I've done it now for years and years, so I've gotten used to it. But it can be very disturbing. <laughs> well, I just want to echo sort of the idea that you're talking about there. Be very aware. One of the things that I do when I'm teaching on texts that are hard, and particularly not ones that we deal with, or even ones that we, our congregation, are really struggling through is you want to be very careful about the us versus them mentality. And when you set up those straw men, you are teaching your people to run out there and hate all them homosexuals or hate all those Muslims or whatever you're trying to teach against. And you want to be clear on what truth is without making it an us versus them. Because the reality is the church isn't united, isn't a collected group of soldiers to fight against sinners, we're, we're, we're going to share the gospel with sinners, and it's very hard to do that if it's us versus them mentality. So I want to be clear on that. That's all the time we have for today. If you want to learn better what the text says, if you want to learn how to exegete correctly and preach correctly, we couldn't more highly recommend Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in beautiful Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively. Study the Word diligently and preach the Gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting sebts.edu. And come by and check out the campus to see for yourself how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how you can go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Where are you going? Southeastern will help you get there. That's all the time we have for today. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite pod catcher, and we'll catch you next week.